Happy New Year, Johnson Ferry. I don't know how long I'm allowed to say that, but I'm saying it. Happy New Year uh, to you guys. I uh, am so excited about a new year. I know it's just another day on the calendar, but there's something about a new year that always feels like a fresh start, feels like you get to turn the page, start again. And I'm excited about this year, 2023. I don't know what year 2022 was like, but I am excited and just praying that this is the greatest year in the ministry of Johnson Ferry 2023. I'm just praying that God does more in this year than, than ever before as we seek to be a people of truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus. I also know this is a time of year where you, you often will try to make some commitments, resolutions about the kind of person you want to be. Anybody made any resolutions uh, for 2023? Okay, anybody already broken resolutions? It sounds like most, y'all are like, I ain't even trying. I'm not even trying in 2023, right? I'm just, I'm just gonna do me. And, and honestly, you get advice this time of year about how to be the best version of you. And, and you often hear something that sounds like this. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Or, or maybe it's phrased this way. You do you. And what's that mean? It means that you shouldn't feel any kind of guilt for just doing what you think is right. Be true to who you know you are on the inside. And, and I guess it's not the worst advice in the world. In fact, a lot of people think that. They think that, hey, finding identity, finding who you are is all about you. In, in fact, I heard a philosopher say this recently, uh, this philosopher named Taylor Swift. She said this in a, it's like this, like the second time. I don't know why I'm quoting Taylor Swift a lot these days. I have no idea why. Uh, but she said this in a commencement address at NYU last year in 2022. She said this to all the students. She said, I know it can be really overwhelming figuring out who to be and when, who you are now and how to act in order to get where you want to go. I have some good news. It's totally up to you. I also have some terrifying news, it's totally up to you. A lot of our world thinks that. I know we got a lot of students in the service. A lot of your friends think that. A lot of your parents think that. That meaning and identity and significance is all about you finding who you are on the inside. And can I tell you, there's actually a deeper question than just who am I? It's a question that's been asked since the beginning of time. Maybe it's phrased in different ways, different languages, but we have wrestled with this question forever. You know what it is? What is a human? What is a human? In fact, that's not a question, only a question we've wrestled with for a number of years. I would say that is the question of our age. I'd say it's the question that people are wrestling with. Now, they may not phrase it like that. They may not actually say the question, what is a human? But they're wrestling with it and engaging with it and debating with it all the time. Let me give you a couple examples. I thought of just several ways in which we as a culture are wrestling with this question, what is a human? Here's several you can see on the list here. First of all, Artificial intelligence technology. Now, I used to think AI technology was like the Terminator, a robot that you know, walks around, looks like a human. But the reality is that this technology is used all the time just about everywhere, from self-driving cars to Siri. I mean, a lot of y'all couldn't function a whole day without Siri now. Like, you didn't even know there were four cups in a court before you had Siri. You had no idea. <laughs> 
that uses AI technology. Google Translate AI technology. Here's one. I hate to even say it because your phone might explode. Alexa, that's one. I wonder how many Christmas purchases you made because some algorithm convinced you to make a purchase. Artificial technology. In fact, there was a study or a story a couple years ago, this guy who knew how to do all this AI technology, he turned his microwave into a friend. I mean, really, the microwave would talk back to him. They'd have conversations. The microwave learned to respond to him. And one day the microwave, as the story said, the microwave actually asked him to get inside of the microwave. And so the man pretended to do it just to see what would happen and their microwave turned itself on. So we make the monster and the monster kills us. That's how this story ends. But all that gets to this idea, what is a human being? Here's a couple other ones. Our debates on abortion, euthanasia, when does life begin? Who has the right to terminate life and when? Those are all questions about what it means to be a human being. Human rights in general, as you think about a number of injustices around the world, those are all about the question, what is a human being? LGBTQ, does God have a design for us when it comes to sexuality? Who sets that design? Who says what? That, that's all about what is a human being. It goes to gender distinctions. A lot of you in corporate America are wrestling with this. Do I use pronouns? Do I do that for business? What pronoun do I use for someone who chooses a different pronoun? Does God assign pronouns? All that has to do with what is a human being. Pornography. You might think, well, hold on, pornography. What's that have to do with? Well, if you turn another human being into an object of gratification, then you are dabbling in the question, what is a human? The same is true of our hookup culture. So if you divide physical passion from emotional fulfillment, those are all questions related to what is a human being? We go on and on, all these things. Here's one you may not think about a lot, entertainment. Our novels, our sports, our movies. Now we appreciate them, we're entertained by them, but a lot of us make an idol out of those things that gets to the question, what is a human? And here's the last one I'll mention today, insufficient identity markers. Like if I come up and ask you who you are, you're gonna probably say something like, I'm a, uh, you talk about your career, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher, I'm, you know, I'm whatever, or I'm, I'm black, I'm, I'm white, I'm Asian, I'm old, I'm young, I'm male, I'm a female, I'm, I'm an American, I'm Irish. I'm, like you just go down the list of all these things that you think that's who you are at your core, and, and they're a part of who you are, but none of them by themselves, none of them sufficiently tell you who you are as a human being. And that's where we need God's help. So I know that being the first Sunday of the year, we probably have a lot of people who, you may not be like a church person, you may certainly not be a follower of Jesus, and you're checking us out. We've had a lot of packed rooms today. My hunch is that we got a lot of people saying, hey, I need to get back to church. I need to, or at least go to church, or I just, I gotta figure some things out in my life. I don't know where you are today. I believe you're here for a purpose. And I want you to be a part of this series for the next six weeks we're calling Being Human. Looking at all these issues, all related to this question, what is a human being? God has a lot to say about that. Today, I wanna to take you to what is most likely the most fundamental passage in all the Bible that tells us who we are. It's not the only passage, 
It's one of the key passages right at the beginning of your Bible. So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're gonna have it on the screens. If you're new to the whole Bible thing, this one's easy. It's literally the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, all right? So Genesis chapter one, and this is what is called the sixth day of creation. And as we read this, I want you to listen to the distinction between how God creates animals and how he creates humans. And we're gonna then think about what do we learn about human beings from this fundamental passage? So if you would, it's our tradition that we stand when we read God's word. Would y'all do that now? Just stand up and I'm gonna read for us Genesis chapter one. Uh, I'm reading out of the New American Standard that may sound a little different than, than maybe the one you have in your hand or on your phone or whatever. Genesis 1, 24 through 31. This is what it says. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kind, livestock and crawling things and animals of the earth according to their kind, and it was so. God made the animals of the earth according to their kind and the livestock according to their kind and everything that crawls on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every animal of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray about this. Father, in this short description, we have a portrayal of how you have created and designed us as humans. Lord, our goal today is not to enter into a philosophical debate, but it's to understand how are we made, how have you designed us, and how does that affect our life? Lord, would you teach us? We wanna have eyes and ears to see and to hear. We'll pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. In this series, we're gonna cover some, not all, but some of these issues that relate to being a human. I'll give you a preview. Next week, I have a message that's called Being in Charge. We're gonna talk about your work life, a place where a lot of you spend 40 to 60 hours or more of every single week, and a lot of you are miserable in your jobs because you don't understand God's design for work, and we're gonna talk about that. Then we're gonna talk about the whole gender thing, being male and female. And of course, there's a lot of questions in our day and age about about being male and female. What does God have to say about that? We're gonna cover that. We're gonna talk about some of the temptations when it comes to identity. 
And Satan, who tempted Adam and Eve, also tempted Jesus. And guess what? He still tempts us today. We're going to talk about that. And then the last two weeks, we're going to talk about both marriage and dating. Crawford Ritz is going to come and talk to us about marriage. And he's amazing. So you're not going to want to miss that. And then I'm going to talk about dating. And you know, a lot of single people feel insufficient sometimes. Like if I'm not married, I'm not good enough to God or something. And that's actually not true at all. God has a lot to say about being single in his design. And we're going to talk about that as well. I also have some books for you that if you want to check out, you can go to the bookstore and I've selected maybe seven or eight different resources that go along with some of the topics we're talking about. So if you want to read more, I'd encourage you to stop by the bookstore and at least look at the titles and consider getting some books to read along with us. But here's the question we're going to look at today. And in a way, this message today is just like an introduction to the next five weeks, but it's so critical, so critical that we as people who are seeking truth in Jesus, we understand this one central concept today. Here it is. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? The Latin phrase for that is the imago dei. What's that mean? You, You heard it said several times in the passage that God made them in his image. Male and female, he created them. It tells us that that we are created in the image of God in his likeness. Well, let me first of all say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that as humans, we are physical recreations of God. In other words, if someone were to ask you, what's God like? You wouldn't say, oh, he's about 5'10", got hands, feet, incredible athlete. I mean, you, you wouldn't say that about God. He's not an Avenger. This is not Marvel. He's not like a better version of us. God is spirit. So we're not physical recreations of God, and yet we are all made in his image. It's more appropriate to say that we, we, uh, we reflect or we resemble God. In verse 26, it says, he made us in his image and he made us in his likeness. Those words can be used somewhat interchangeably. Like to say that I'm made in your image is literally the word that means to cut out something. So it's like we're a small cutout of God in a way. And and the word likeness means to resemble. We use that all the time. Like you might look at a kid and go, oh, that's that's so-and-so's son. Really? How do you know that? Look at his funky nose. He looks just like his daddy. Like he, he resembles. You know what I'm talking about? Like we resemble somebody. We reflect them. And God has done that of every human being. In fact, we often talk about seeing God in nature and, we, and, and you do see something of God. We already mentioned today, Psalm 19, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. There is something about God in the sunrise and in the, that beach setting or that pristine river or that hiking trail, that, that place we go and go, oh, it seems like God is everywhere. Can I tell you though, the best place to see God, I mean, if you want a little tip here, you know the best place to see God? Look around at people. See, that sunset wasn't made in the image of God. That river wasn't made in the image of God. That beach wasn't made in the image of God. But every single one of you were made in the image of God. C.S. Lewis, who's a guy that we often quote, he said this, there are no mere mortals. You are looking at someone who is made in the image of God. God created animals. God created humans, but they're different Now, in our culture, we love our animals, do we not? I mean, we love dogs. Sometimes we treat dogs better than our kids. I think there are probably more dog kennels here than there are like baby stores, right? Like we love 
We lo- I love my dog. I talk about my dog. My dog follows me. I love it. I love my, you love your dog. God created my dog. God created me, but, but we're very different. I, I think about this. My uh, oldest daughter, Madison, I asked her for this last night. When she was little, uh, I gave her this little seal thing. You know what I'm talking Like back in the day when kings and queens, they'd, they'd melt their wax and they'd you know, put this, this seal onto this letter and say, this is from me. And in a way, that's what God is doing. God has the ability to create animals and humans and the sun and the moon and the stars and all that stuff. But there's only one part of God's creation where he put his seal on them. And it's us as humans. And we were made in the image of God. So the question then is, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? There are a lot of different ways of talking about this. A lot of really, really smart people who have come up with a lot of different lists to describe this. But I'm going to take my stab at it today to help you based on this passage. Just think for a minute about what it means to be made in the image of God. There's four different ways I think we reflect God's image. And I think this has so much value to school, to work, to your relationships, to your finances, your free time. What are these four ways? Let's talk about them. Number one, I want us to think about rule. Rule. In verse 26, notice what it said about Adam and Eve. It said, first of all, God said, let us make mankind in our image. The us and the our refers to God, triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make God in our image according to our likeness. And here's what I want them to do. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and so forth. That as human beings, we are given this challenge and calling to rule. The the old way of talking about it is uh, dominion. Now, dominion doesn't mean domination, but we are called to have a ruling presence on the earth. And that actually shapes your work life. We're gonna talk more about this next week. But this whole idea of ruling gets at what it means to work and to work well for the Lord. But we as human beings are called to rule over all things and certainly over, as it says here, the animal kingdom. The very first job I had was in the 10th grade or right before the 10th grade. And I worked for this horse stable. Now it was, you know, it was like in the suburbs. So like I wasn't in deep Texas or something. But, you know, it's one of these like horse stables that people would, would, uh, would, would keep their horses and that kind of thing. And I did basic grunt labor, you know, mucking out stalls and painting fences and cutting grass and, and every now and then like introductory to riding lessons. And this lady on this horse stable and I, you know, worked there was hard work, but I made good money for a 10th grader. And I remember one day she brought her super annoying nephew to work and, and she said, uh, you can hang out with Clay all day. I'm like, great. So me and this kid are hanging out all day and I'm, I'm doing something in this pen where we have 15 horses corralled in there. And I look back and this little kid opened the gate and you can imagine like 15 horses barreling out of this pen into neighborhoods. I mean, you're sitting there watching the Today Show and you look out and there's a horse eating your bush in your front yard. And so, so you know, I think, what are we gonna do? And, and so I, I literally take the rest of the day to find these horses, you know, get them on their leads, walk them back. But here's what's amazing, the fact that I can even do that. That me as a, what, 175 pound sophomore in high school could get this thousand pound horse and put him back where he belongs. Now, I know there's examples where animals overpower, but the point is, as human beings, we have an ability to rule the earth 
and that's by God's design. Number two, I want us to think about the word relationship. Relationship. In verse 27, it says of, of Adam and Eve, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Both male and female are equally made in the image of God. One gender is not more valuable than the other, but there's a beautiful compliment that they have to one another. We're gonna talk about that in week, in week three, especially in all of our issues of gender and things. And God has a beautiful design for male and female, but he puts them in relationship with one another. Now, we often think, well, that's just about marriage, but it's actually not. Genesis 2 says that it's not good for man to be alone. That is not a passage only about marriage. That's a passage about how God has wired us to be in relationship with others. That's why we talk about belonging here. Church isn't an event you come to, it's a family to which you belong. We are wired to be in relationships with us and with God because God is in relationship with God. Now, that sounds weird. But think about it, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, completely sufficient in their relationship with one another. God did not create us because he was bored. Man, I am so bored in heaven. We gotta come up with something to do up here. I know what we'll do, what? Let's create a bunch of humans to play with. That would be amazing. Yeah, let's do that. No, 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 no. We are an expression of the relationship that God has within the Trinity. And we are hardwired to have a relationship with God. I saw it this week. I'm sitting there on Monday night and I get a text from a friend and he's like, man, are you watching this Monday night football game? And, and I wasn't, but I turned it on real quick and I saw what you saw, ambulances, these massive NFL players crying. And it's because their teammate, as you well know, was passed out, collapsed, fighting for his life. They're giving him CPR, oxygen, trying to get him to breathe again. And, and they, are, they are devastated. And it's been awesome to see his recovery. And I, and I pray that he'll continue to recover and find full strength. And that's been amazing. But you know what's been equally amazing? How many people have been praying? I mean, on, on like ESPN and national, I mean, yesterday, at the NFL game, these two teams get in the middle of the field and before there's a ball that goes anywhere, they kneel down and they pray. Why do we do that? You know why? Because God designed you to long for him. Now, not everyone does it. You can suppress that transcendent mind you have. It's like holding a beach ball underwater. You can do it for a while, but it always wants to surface. But you are wired for relationship with others and with God. Here's a third word when it comes to reflecting the image of God. It's the word responsibility. Responsibility. God makes man and woman and gives them responsibility. Verse 28, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I know we got kids in the room, but y'all know what that means, right? Just making sure we're good. In fact, it's the only command that we've, been, that we've ever been able to completely obey, to, to fill, multiply and to fill the earth. But in a larger way, that's God saying, I'm giving you responsibility. You're, you're a steward. I have something for you to do. It also points to the fact that because we're responsible, God wants us to choose to do the right thing. There's a difference between wrong and right. 
and God sets those terms. But to be made the image of God means we reflect him in what ways? What are they? His rule, relationship, responsibility. And here's the last one to look at today. It's the word respect. Respect. Now this is where I wanna pull in another passage from Genesis chapter nine. Because I want you to notice uh, what he talks about when it comes to murder. Now it may sound odd to kind of use a passage about murder, but I want you to notice why murder is wrong according to Genesis 9, 6. This is what it says. Whoever sheds human blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made mankind. Why is it wrong to take another life, especially in vengeance and murder? It's because you are trying to eliminate someone who was made in the image of God, which means that every human being is worthy of dignity, honor, and respect. God values every human being. There are close to 8 billion people on the planet. God values every single one of them, which means when we think about being a human, there's some fundamental ideas that we have to understand to see where our joy comes from. And if I could summarize all that, maybe one sentence that I need to say to myself, that you need to say yourself, it would be a sentence like this, that you were created on purpose for a purpose. In fact, it might be helpful to put that as we see here in the first person and say that to yourself, I, I was created on purpose for a purpose. Now, you may or may not believe that or agree with that yet, but I, I just wonder if we could just say that together. What is it? Let's say it together. I was created on purpose for a purpose. Say it again. I was created on purpose for a purpose. A lot of you think your life doesn't have meaning. A lot of you think that your life is worthless. A lot of you think that your life has no value at all. Let me remind you that God created you on purpose for a purpose. Now, here's the rub especially for people that are new today, people that don't come to church a lot, people that don't think about these things a lot because you're saying, well, I mean, look, preacher guy. That, that sounds good. I mean, rule, relationship, responsibility, respect, whatever, all that stuff, that, that sounds good. But I don't see that. In fact, if I could just be honest, when I look at the world, you know what I see? I see people who abuse rule. They, they take advantage of others. They manipulate others. They abuse others. They use their leadership for selfish gains. That, that, that's, that's actually what I see. Or how about, how about this idea of relationship? I see people who manipulate relationships, who, who aren't loving, who aren't other-centered. Who, they think about themselves all the time. That, that's what I see. I don't see people who are hardwired for God. How about responsibility? I, I see people, and they wanna be the victim all the time. It's all about what the world's done to them. Never take responsibility, always a victim. And respect, give me a break, respect. I mean, when's the last time you saw anyone respecting anybody? Everyone's out for their own good all the time. That's the world I see. And you know what I would say to you? I do too. The question is why. Maybe the bigger question is what's been done about it. And this is where as Christians, this is where you need to lean in, especially if you're new, because I think what I'm about to say is actually why you're here today. This is where we as Christians, followers of Jesus, get to talk about what we call the gospel or the good news. You're like, yeah, I've heard of that. What is it? Well, 
If you keep reading the Bible, what you're gonna find is that God creates Adam and Eve, these perfect people in a perfect place where he gives them everything they ever need and says, hey guys, trust me, I will provide for you the rest of my life. And you know what they did? Instead of trusting in God, they, they did what we do. They think, I, God, I can handle this on my own. I, I can do this on my own. I, I know better than you know what for my life. Sounds a lot like be true to yourself. I know what to do, God. And you know what happened that moment? Brokenness came into the world. Brokenness, sin. I know that's a churchy word, but sin means that, that we miss the mark. And I sin every day, you sin every day, and we live in a sinful world. It's why we live in a world where people get in car accidents and people die of cancer and people are abused and people are manipulated and wars happen. And, and a lot of things happen that we think, why is this happening? You know why? Because instead of trusting in God, we trust in ourselves. And the world that we had is not the world that we have. And the question might be, well, when, when sin came into the world, did that change human beings? Are they no longer made in the image of God? And the answer is no. Every human being since the beginning of time was made, is made, and will be made in the image of God. What changed when sin came into the world was not design, but desire. Instead of desiring God, instead of desiring the right thing, instead of desiring the kingdom of God, we desire ourselves. And as long as it makes me feel good and look good, it's all about me. As long as I'm at the center of all things, I'm good. And God says, if that's the life you wanna live, then it's gonna lead to separation from me. And that's what happened. Now, if I, I stopped right there and said, does that sound like good news or bad news? <laughs> You'd probably say, that's bad news. And I, and I would agree with you. But this is the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ, God's son, came on a rescue mission into this world to not only be God for us, but to be a perfect human for us. And so Jesus exemplified the rule of the kingdom, always leading, but always treating people with both truth and grace, leading people to where they need to go in the Lord. Jesus Christ is the one who exemplified relationship, always connected to his heavenly father. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Always seeing, always perceiving, always loving, always relating. Jesus Christ demonstrated responsibility he wasn't a victim to the cross by choice. Jesus went to a brutal cross to die on that cross for you and for me. And his blood was shed so that your life could be forgiven and changed. And three days later, he, he rose from the grave that you could rise from the grave one day. And though the world isn't gonna be like it's gonna be when he comes back, Jesus promises that because what I have done for you, there is coming a day where there won't be crying, there won't be mourning, there won't be pain, there won't be sickness, there won't be cancer, there won't be car wrecks, there won't be hurricanes, there won't be wars, there won't be manipulation because you will be in the kingdom of God and that's how much I love you that I came to do that for you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's why I think you're here this morning. Because some of you, 
If I had asked you this question right now, is Jesus at the center of your life? And you were honest, like you didn't lie like you typically do, but you were honest. The answer is no. He's not at the center of your life. But I'm here to tell you that today that can change. And you can move from death to life. You can move from being unforgiven to forgiven. You can move from being in sin to freed from sin. You, you can be moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And you got a choice to make. There's two paths. See, our culture, this is what it, our culture says. It says this. It says, to find yourself, uh, to be yourself, you have to find yourself. That, that, you know, like it's all in you. It's in here. Find it deep within yourself. That's where the world says. And Jesus comes along and he says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. My prayer in 2023, my prayer for you today is that you would find life in Jesus and I love right now, right now, to help you to do that. We don't do this every Sunday, but I, I want us to say a prayer together. It's not a magic formula. It's just our attempt to put human words to allowing Jesus to be the center of your life. And, and I'm gonna ask in just a second that this prayer is said and repeated by all of you out loud, even if you are already a follower of Jesus. But also believe that as we pray this prayer, there's someone in this room today who for the first time is saying, I wanna follow Jesus. And today's gonna be the day of salvation for you. I believe that's why you're here. So I wanna right now just get a posture prayer, whatever it looks like for you, heads bowed, eyes closed, whatever, whatever you wanna do. And I would just ask that everyone in this room, would you, would you repeat out me, with me out loud as I say this prayer, understanding some are praying this for the very first time. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm not perfect. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you became the perfect human. You died for my sins. You rose from the dead in my place. You are God. I turn from my sins. I invite you to come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Change me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, as people pray that prayer, Lord, I, I just pray, God, that right now, right now, salvation has come to the heart of someone who is here for a divine purpose today. God, may we be about your kingdom. Forgive us when we get so stinking me-centered. And Lord, would you be the center of all things? Would you be the center of this church? Father, we bless you. We sing to you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.